So on today's episode of Taking Care of Business, we're going to talk about ChatGPT, which is a major subject around the world at the moment. Ultra high net worth booms, launches from Ellington, um, Saudi visas, and a few other interesting subjects uh, around the Dubai business and property markets. So let's start with uh, the one that we were just talking about off air a moment ago. Uh, some people may have not heard of this, ChatGPT. So this is an Open AI, uh, owned by OpenAI, which is a um, business that's invested in years of uh, technology into AI assistance for uh, written technology. So this has just blew my mind, and I just showed you uh, your version. So what I showed you, just what do you think? Because you've just watched it now. So Lewis, um, for people that are listening to this, has just typed in, um, write about Lewis Allsop. So he's done that, and this chat GPT, which is basically a uh, like a text voice model, it's just written a full blog about Lewis also being a businessman. He's from Dubai. he's been in Dubai. He's six foot five hero to many. Six foot five hero to many. Very bad centre back. <laughs> um, but yeah, it gave him a full description about Lewis, his background. It was mind blowing, and, and even to a degree where he, he typed in again, write about the UAE golden visas, and again a long description about basically the step-by-step guide about how to get a golden visa in Dubai. So it was really quite mind-blowing to me. I just put in uh, right about Carl and just put nice man, father. That's sort of a... <laughs> I'll do me. <laughs> well, it's a great descriptive character. So this uh, chat GPT owned by OpenAI, just to bring you into um, a bit of an understanding about it, obviously it's not a new business as such. It's been going on a few years, but um, there has been major talks of acquisitions from Microsoft. I think also Google has looked into it with, with a, I think the valuation is at 28 billion is they're looking to start value. So the reason why it's one of the fastest rising valuations in a business ever. Correct. But the, the reason I'm talking about it is twofold. First of all, I think, and this is really controversial to the journalists out there. From what I've seen here, in a few years, we've talked about, oh, you know, in factories, robots will take over and you won't be you need humans anymore. I'm really concerned for journalists <laughs> with what I've just seen. I'm really concerned for a lot of people. Madness. Yeah, this is like really, really, really early stages AI and what it's capable of and what, what basically there is. Anyone's writing a blog, anyone's doing any form of <laughs> writing, writing, basically it potentially could be handled by um, by an AI and what was really interesting just start kind of looping into this is Apple Apple last week uh, just announced that if you have wrote a book and you don't have the capacity to have that book converted into an audio book Apple have just launched where an AI will read will have the book converted and have it launched as an audio book the American voice like hey Welcome to my new book. Probably, but you would handle your book, Louis Allsop's Life of Louis Allsop, would be handled to hand up to Apple. Apple would have it converted with their AI, and you'd be able to have an audio book without an author. Do you want to be in my Life of Louis Allsop? <laughs> in 2005, I got Burton to the Premier League. Um, with football manager, football manager yeah. yeah. I um, got Comfortity to the Champions League and won the trophy, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, and recently, Derby County from League One, Phoenix to the Flames, and we're in Europa League. Pastimes, likes pyjamas, yeah. slippers, FIFA, and Deliveroo. And family as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great life. <laughs> Interesting story. If you do an AI on me, that'd pretty much be about it. So the reason that I'm talking about it again, we just said it about putting people out of businesses. The question I've got for you, if this comes in, and it's going to affect journalists, no doubt about it, in content writers, etc. Is there anything else you can see AI affecting in the property market or any other industries that you think would be 
Uh, yes, I think it could uh, have an impact on imagery. So like improving images without even any form of work or effort. So from a graphic design uh, side of things, that could, could impact things there. Did you see what our head of developer sales, Finton, put on online? Have you seen it about the... the about the pictures or not? I've seen uh, a, a, an image yesterday where AI had basically done a picture of Dubai in basically in the winter. So the one that I seen online yesterday, it blew my mind, is he? If there's some sort of AI generator, again, for photos, and he's typed in, design me a modern contemporary house uh, with Miami style in Dubai, please. I think he said, please, at the end of that bit. <laughs> Be nice, um, please. And he sent the pictures and put them online. And they create these amazing floor-to-ceiling modern Miami houses placed in Dubai. And I was like, oh, my God. So that, you know, how else is it going to affect the world? It's going to be it's going to be a different, I think it's going to be a different level. How we think, like, me and you were talking the other day about how far the world's come in, like, 10 years about, you know, no longer having to sign stuff on paper and scanners and fax machines. In 10 more years, I think technology is coming at such a pace that I think it's going to be a different world again. Well, put this in perspective. So I started this job 22, 23 years ago. Goat. Okay. Oh, goat. So there was no WhatsApp. If I wanted to send a message to someone, which wasn't very often, by the way, I would have to SMS. Yeah. Yeah. There was no internet. So it was WAP services. Wireless application protocol is what WAP stands for. Yeah. Like. And even when I started this job as an estate agent, there was no property portal. There's no email matching when you started. No, it was all, it, it, everything phone. Oh, and Franklin as well. You had to send a letter in the post to someone and say, we've just put this new house in the market and wait five days for it to go in the post and then to open it and say, can I look at it? That was actually my first job in this agency. At the end, I'd have Franklin, to all the active buyers, you'd Franken, um, Frankenstein machine. Started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> no, we're nowhere. As I told you, I'm just a good foot manager for that. Okay, so chats, GPT, Massive taking over the market. Um, next thing I've got on our list to talk about here is the ultra high net worth boom in Dubai. Well, it's very clear from the, the amount of projects that have been launched, certainly this year and parts of last year, they all developers across Dubai are having a real renewed focus on attracting ultra high net worths. We're seeing a lot of people come into country. So over the last uh, few months, just some of the developments that have launched, which really are focused on bringing that wow factor to the Dubai property market. We've got the Dubai Ritz-Carlton Residences. Looks absolutely incredible here. We've got uh, Mama Residences in Dubai. Uh, we have Safa 1 and Safa 2 Towers. These are just a few. Sustainable city in Yas Island. So That looks insane, by the way. Unbelievable. And there, there is quite a few more. We talked about one last week. Azizi have done a, a development community for worth $5.4 billion. Uh, dollars for, for one single community. We've got Cavalli Couture in Dubac property. So we did talk about last year about collaborations on uh, branded residences. We can now see that developers are really fixated on that upper quarter of the market, upper end of the market where they do, they're developing something really special because they know there's a market here yeah. for, 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 for people coming to Dubai. Well, that goes back to the launch that happened, I think, yesterday. Ellington, uh, one of our favorite developers in Dubai for their end products, their professionalism. Uh, they launched a joint venture with uh, JLT, was it DMCC? DMCC, yeah. Um, and you were talking about it this morning. And when we were talking about it, I was like, wow. So... Obviously, it's ultra high-end, overlooking Jumeirah Islands. Um, but the things that you described today, such as the podcast area and the meeting rooms and the paddle tennis, they're going after a certain demographic of 
high net worth individuals. Well, it looks like for this particular development we talked about yesterday, you know, they've got podcast rooms, they've got studios where you can record, there's paddle tennis. So it's, an, it's evidence that developers are now thinking more about basically not keeping people on site, but more amenities to the development. But also, I look at that that, um, that building was launched yesterday and I'm thinking, right, they're, they're attracting creators. Mm. They're attracting people who want to make music, want to do podcasts that really were a bit edgy, a bit cool. Are we edgy, cool podcasters? Well, we're, no, no way. We're like old men talking on, on camera like, oh, the market's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're falling in that category now. So you can see you can see from all developers, they're, they're fixated on upper end of the market, but also being really creative to make sure they stand out from what really is the, the norm, standard development in the past. I think a big thing is that businesses, the government, the economy are trying to stay ahead of the curve. So, for instance, if you look at like Jake Paul and Logan Paul, you watch what Logan's done with Prime. Unbelievable. So that is just from a social media following where they've launched a drink with KSI. KSI, obviously, a YouTube uh, sensation in the UK. Logan is obviously in the uh, US markets. They've come together and launched this drink. And there are queues and fights for this premium uh, sports drink that is technically um, on par with Gatorade. And because of his following and the network that he has, people are queuing up and fighting for this drink. Do you know what's mad? So my wife's very, very, very good friend, one of best friends, her son for Christmas don't say one wanted a bottle of Prime for Christmas. How mad's that? Imagine being a Christmas opening. Oh, <laughs> I really wanted this. You prime. can't drink it. It's the problem because the people are reselling these one pound bottle of primes in the UK for, for hundred quid. hundred quid or more. So this goes on to what I want to talk about. So the way the world is, and you see Logan and KSI launching these drinks, and now you know it's, it's turning into a, com- a com- competitor for someone like Gatorade, they're effectively or Monster. I think Monster Monster Drink. I was looking at their company the other day. Um, one of our good friends, Spencer Lodge, did a post yesterday, and he um, and it was saying that a hundred thousand percent is the value that the Monsters uh, Drink has gone up in value since starting the launch of the business. Wow, which is just. 100,000%. Wow. That's wild numbers. So when we talk about businesses evolving and looking at KSI and Logan, it comes back to Dubai. So I don't know if you've seen it or not. Dubai has just launched um, the ability, if you're a teenager, to launch your own business. And this goes back to podcasters, YouTubers, and things like that. What do you think about uh, now dropping the age from 21 uh, lower to the teenage years to be able to launch business in Dubai? So um, when I when I was when I was young, um, twenty two years ago, yeah, twenty yeah twenty two years ago, I, there was you, I think when you're in your younger years is when you're probably not your most creative, but like you you chuck out lots of different things, yeah. And I think if I'm being brutally honest with you now, if I look at kids at eight, you know, twenty eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and I've got a brother who's twenty three years old, I look at them and I think, wow, like we are so different in terms of. How they think, what they do, what perception of success is, what what perception of what social life is actually like. Yeah, I actually think I'm actually welcome it because I think some you know some of the people I speak to in the younger age groups, and you've got you've you've spoken to a few of the last year or so. I've got no young friends. No. I've got no friends. <laughs> no, but people you know, like whose fathers you know, you maybe yeah. know, you may like, grandfathers. I know. <laughs> but some some of these young people, some of their ideas they've got, like makes me think, wow, like. Why not? You know, these are your next, your 18, 19, 20 year olds are your next 
CEOs, your next business leaders. Well, I was speaking to Brandy from Dubai and she wanted me to do a piece in uh, Dubai just talking about, you know, advice you would give to an 18-year-old starting a business. And I said at the time, I, th- I think I would have been the youngest CEO in real estate in 2008. 22 you were. Yeah, ju- just turned 22. Yeah, just. Um, and when I look at that now and I think about the advantage of being a younger teenager uh, or a younger person at that time in business... The downside to it is I don't have the know-how. Now my business know-how is A1. I think 15 years of running a business, I know if something goes wrong, I know how to handle it. Like there's no stress. It's just reaction to actions. But the strength of being a teenage CEO and running a business is the hunger, the fire, and the risk that you can take knowing that you don't have a family, you don't have a house. You can just go out and you can cause mayhem in your market to create a business. Now, if I look at... When we set the business up, I was ruthless. I honestly think I was like, I will do anything to do deals, to gain market share. You know, I was looking at the bigger companies and said, I'm coming for you. And we did come for them. And I think about it now, I'm just such a different person now. I've got two kids. I've got two dogs. Um, I'm softer. When you're younger, you're fearless. Yeah, that's what it is. And I think that's so advantageous. I mean, any advice I've gotten uh, for anyone that, is that age is for me i'm a massive believer in i don't like university yeah uh, in fact you actually went to a levels didn't you uh, for, for a year yeah mm, um bad move it was a bad move but the reality is is that i don't believe unless you're going into a specific field and you have an interest in that field and it requires like effort, a doctor or yeah a lawyer. for me getting to work immediately i was in work at 17 years old i've been working ever since 17 years old i honestly think being worked so young has been it's helped me learn a lot more than I ever would in any job. I'm a practical learner. Yeah. So I like to learn from mistakes. And I think, you know, our brother went to university and I said to him at the time, I was like, why are you going to university to get a business degree? And then, yeah, I think he's in recruitment now. And our cousin is the same. He got a degree in something else and he's in a different industry. I think you can learn something from university, but if I went to university and I was partying and working three hours a day at school or whatever was doing called school and university. But I wouldn't be where I am because I've not learned the, the work ethic, what you learn about the mistakes and in the big boys world. Um, so yeah, my tip to anybody in, in, in the teenage years of starting a business, this is the best to I give you. You shouldn't be home before some before 5 p.m. You should work till 7, 8 o'clock. You should be the first one and you should be relentlessly making actions to create reactions in the industry and not screen watching, not just being in the office to be in the office. You are making shit happen and that's just, what I was very good at. Speak to as many people as you can. Yeah, as you make, if, you, if you're speaking to people, things will happen. Yeah, if you sat behind a computer waiting for an email to come in, it ain't going to happen. So be fearless, be brave, want to make mistakes. If you're making mistakes, it means you're making progress. You ty- he's on chat GPT right so, now. Lewis is on chat. What are you typing right now? So I'm talking about Samana, the developer. So the Samana, this is actually a lot. This is going to be a live situation. Samana in the news today have announced that they are launching 12 new projects, including five, uh, including five star hotels worth 2.5 billion dirhams. So I've gone into chat GP uh, and said, what did Samana developers launch? Let's see what comes what they say. But I tell you now, this is a big test. Here we go. 
great podcast content here. If you're listening, just us having silence watching us. I'm not sure what you mean by Samana Developers exact launch. Samana is a privately uh, owned real estate developer company, and there are many developers can be launched with the company like that in different locations and different scales. That's good feedback. So <laughs> early early, <laughs> early stages, stages of chat GPT. So all I was getting onto is that Samana um, are launching 12 new projects. Uh, and they're quadrupling their size. And the reason I say that is other developers in the Kiel are launching the, the Jebel Ali uh, Palm, which is imminently to launch. Ellington, as you can see, have launched Ellington Beach House a couple months ago. They've just sold out in four hours their development. Emar are launching their projects and they're selling out immediately. Does this these launches need to happen because of the success of the residents moving to country? Yes. Um I just think you'll see you probably you might see this year more launches this year than you ever have in any year. I agree. Um, I just think there is a lot of cash in country, and I think there will continue to be a lot of cash in country. And I think that's backed up by China this year. Uh, China just opening up, and I think you see a lot of Chinese money coming to country this year. Um, I mean, look, the thing is, the success that the investors have. Why would you not invest? Now, I know you don't like to talk privately about your investments that you have, but. You've had calls from people about your Arabian Ranches 3. What was your original price on your Ranches? So I have made not far off 100% on my purchase price. So my original purchase price was 1.2 million, give or take, 1.25 million. Now I get an office today. Bearing in mind, it's not even handed over at 2.1 million. And what would a rent at? Because you're being off a rental as well, aren't you? 160 grand. And so that works out to around a 13, 14% yield. So not only is it 13% yield on the purchase price, but if you actually break down of money down versus appreciation, you probably 300% or 400% your money down. Well, when I talk to people and people say, oh, I don't like buying off plan because I'm not getting a, a return on my investment on month one. Well, technically I have got a return yeah. on capital appreciation over three years. People, there's always going to be a higher demand when it hands over anyway. So I think I'll get more than what I'm being offered today. And ultimately as well, the rental value is... Is massive. So for me, I think I'm a big believer in the off-plan market. I think timing has also played a part in that. So I've been a bit, bit lucky with timing. But it's not luck. It's no luck. Uh, you invest because you you believe in it. And the reason I say that is that yes, you're one person, but there are so many people in the last few years that have invested, have confidence, and are looking at other projects to invest in, which is creating such a sustainable model for the buyer. Because my theory is, and I said this in the last podcast. Forget property prices of rent or for sale. Because so many people are moving to the, to the country and the city, it's creating, creating a massive surge of demand and not enough supply. So you buying these houses, whether you rent or sell them, there are going to be people for them because of the amount of residents that are looking to move here. Well, my my advice would be, and which is what what helped me decide when I bought my properties in Raven Ranches and other areas, is Look at the development, look at what the building, what it, what is different about that building or development that's going to make it stand out amongst others. Yes, Arabia Ranches is, is three, a little bit further away than everyone else, but you've got the Lazy Rivers, you've got parks everywhere, you've got cinemas, you've got yeah. so much going on there. And then even with Talawa Gap, which owns some properties in, the location, my God. Do you know the big one for me is that you have to believe in your your end goal for what we do. So I remember when we bought the floor in uh, Jamil Golf States, the apartments. Yes. I think we bought six, seven between us, whatever yes. it was we bought. And I remember when we were buying them, they were actually a little bit above market value. And we were like, no, we believe in the product because the location of Jamil Golf States is A1, but the payment plan's amazing. The rental income that we're getting on that now will make it about a 9% net yield. And when we bought it, it was like a 6% net yield. Um, and it just shows that long term, and this is the argument I've seen on LinkedIn before, 
long term, if you take a view over 10 years or five years and you live there and you invest in it long term, you can't lose. And anyone that wants to argue with me on that, I just say to them, okay, but go and ask your mum what they bought their house for. Go and ask your granddad what they bought their house for. You take a trajectory line on long term, because of the inflation of everything that comes with it, property value is only going to increase. I think with property in general, you have to take a long term view always. It's always, very rare. always, always. I mean, it's very rare to, to win on the. You can you can win the flips, but it's not a bit a sustainable business model to win and flip. Tell me, talk about celebrities. Which one? Celebrities and sports people more and more are choosing Dubai as a destination. Apparently, as rumours, Beyonce's here right now. I know she's here because I tried to get tickets for it. Really? It's at, she's at the Atlantis uh, Royale launch. Is that what you bought? So yeah, you know I bought that. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Plug. I know everyone knows I bought that. Certainly a podcast. Uh, so we're waiting for that to hand over, but there's a launch um, party happening, and I, I called up the guys at um, laugh. Uh, they, they, I said, look, I'm Lewis also. They go, oh, yeah, we know you are. And they laughed at me. Just today, know it's the CEO of Louis Vuitton and Rolex and the main people. Who, yeah, I don't think Lewis also <laughs> well. I was like, fair point, fair point. Um, so I think you've got to look at the, the, the GCC, the UAE, and I think it's do you know, when I come to Dubai in 2006, it was just sand and people become millionaires. And now it's a city where people want to live. And whether it is Ronaldo moving to Saudi, whether it is, I know it's going to sound crazy saying that, but like you've got like ex-Premier League football players playing for um, local teams in Dubai and collecting the salary and the lifestyle and everything else. So I think it's just a very popular place, but it's always been a popular place. I remember going to the Madinat. And we're talking 12 years ago, I went to meat merchants. I remember seeing Wayne Rooney, Ashley Young, all coming here for holiday. And I think it's always been that way. I just think it's becoming even more popular now with the lifestyle that it has to offer. More to offer than ever before. 100%. So before we wrap up, another shameless plug about the Allsop and Allsop annual property report. It was out and launched last week. This all of our data from 2022 Plus the Dubai Land Department data, you can now see it on the Allsop and Allsop website, which is allsopandallsop.com. You've got some nice uh, notes from Lewis about his view on 2023. We, despite everything that's going on around the world, are bullish for 2023. We feel like it will be another year of marginal growth. Minimum. Minimum 5 to 15% is my goal. And that goes back to my, I'm just keeping it as simple as I can. People versus houses. Forget everything else. And that's it. That's us for this week. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.